My name is Jim Fleming, and this is Our Sunday School. I'm coming to you from the Hickson campus of Stewart Heights Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And we'd love to have you come and visit us. But if you're not in the area, please go to OurSundaySchool.com to see all of the resources we saw in class. Well, good morning, everybody. All right, well, welcome to Our Sunday School, the last Our Sunday School of 2019. Uh, or at least that's what the schedule says. So we'll see how that goes. But we've got, um, we'll start each week uh, today, like we have each week, with our question What is God doing in you through His Word from the portion of Mark we've studied so far? So, what is God doing in you through His Word from the portion of Mark we've studied so far? And I talked just a little bit about this question last week, and I want to expand on that concept just a second today. And while we're still getting settled here. But if, if you have an answer to this question and you have a, uh, hi, my name's Jim. I'm actually an introvert. This is something that is uh, challenging for me most Sundays to engage in this way. But if you have a reticence, a hesitance to uh, speak up and answer out loud because we're in a big group, I get it. No problem. No issue whatsoever. But if the Lord is not doing anything that you are aware of in your heart because of direct interaction with His Word, that is an indication of a problem spiritually. So when we come to this question each week, if your mind goes, well, you know, I just, it's just academic exercise, right? We just come and we look at this and we look at some words and some definitions and we're done. No. <laughs> That's not why we do this. We do this to know and experience and enjoy the creator of the universe. So there is a reason, and God communicates to his children. So I just want us to make sure that we understand I'm not doing this for a filler for time. I, have you seen your handout? Your handout's 15 pages long, right? We have plenty to talk about. Uh, this is an examination of our hearts and making sure that we are in tune with what the master is actually saying. So... With that as a preference. And this is not a guilt trip, guys. I just want us to understand why we're doing this. I do these things on purpose. So what is God doing in you through his word from the portion of Mark we've studied so far? Yes, Miss Shelby. I'm a talker. Yes. But Mark's not. Yes. There you it depends go. on the right. But it always have to be there you go. Cool. Right. Yes, ma'am. Uh, Tell us your name. My name is Sabrina. Sabrina, thank you. Um, I, everybody knows Shelby. Not everybody knows Sabrina. Uh, so, no, okay, no, cool. <laughs> Right, absolutely. And I'm glad that you gently always say that. I love that about you. And so that's what we see today is what it touched me in all of it as I was reading. I read more, more than just that at night, right. obviously. But 
I love the obviously. That was fantastic. That was fantastic right there. Right, right, right. Yeah. Amen. Praise the Lord for that. Amen. Yes. That I'm so grateful that God had given me that desperateness. And would I have wanted it that way? Absolutely not. Right. But when I'm reading that scripture, I think that He does not want me to be in fear. He does not want Amen. me to be in shame. And when I come to Him, He wants me to come to Him and give it all to Him and lay it down. And, that, and when you repeated the other week with people that weren't here, is that when you repeated that what the Man says, uh, I don't have it memorized, but of um, um, make my daughter well. Right. Come and make my daughter yeah. well. You repeated it a couple of times. You emphasized it. And I noticed when you did that, I even stopped and it settled in my soul yeah. a little more. And so uh, I've, I've learned little things, not only from scripture, but how you're doing that for me to stop and remind myself I need to repeat that. Again. Amen. That's right. Yep, that's right. That's exactly, that's yes, yes, yes. Well done. Oh, I did. I've been watching it bottle up for a few weeks. I'm just like, will somebody just pop the lid? I mean, come on, this is good. Praise the Lord. Uh, Sometimes Jesus works in ways that are extraordinarily difficult for me to see. And sometimes it's just this billboard flashing. And you've been a flashing billboard the last couple of weeks. So thank you for saying what God has been doing in you through his word from the portion of Mark we've studied so far. So, all right, let's do one more. Oh, now we've got competition. I love it. Come on now. (laughs) Amen. It... If somebody didn't say it, that's where I was going to land the plane today. I was like, I had to hold of the landing strip, but we we're going to go a different place here. So, Interactions with the risen Christ change people's lives. It's just the way this works. It's just the way this works. And I am grateful. Yes, ma'am. Amen. Amen, amen. Sometimes it's just fun, isn't it? (laughs) I'm going to read Mark 5. It might be for the last time in this series. Because we might just finish Mark 5 today. We'll see. And we might not. That'd be okay too. So Mark chapter 5. Got your Bibles open. And remember, what do we do when the Word of God is being read? Shut up and sit still. That's right. 
All right. Uh, Tim, Andrea, it is marvelous to see you guys again. I have just decided to get blunt with things, so there you go. <laughs> this is not a shocker to you, right? <laughs> Mark chapter 5. They came to the other side of the sea to the country of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs. And no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he had often been bound with shackles and chains. But he wrenched the chains apart and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran down. And fell down before him, and crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? He replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him, saying, Send us to the pigs, let us enter them. So he gave them permission. And the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs, and the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. And the herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country. And people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had had the legion, sitting there, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. And he did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you, and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. And when Jesus had crossed again into the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter's at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, so that she may be made well and live. And he went with him. And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for twelve years, and who had suffered much under many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was no better, but rather grew worse. She'd heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing around you and yet you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. And while he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. And they came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. 
But he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. And taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha Kumai, which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age. And they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. So on your handout, if you've kept it, because it's the same one for three weeks now, we're on page 158, starting with verse 37. Page 158, starting with verse 37. Down toward the bottom of the page. So who is with Jesus at this point in the story? Peter, James, John, and Jairus. But up to before verse 37, who's with Jesus? The disciples, lots of people. There's this crowd, right? They've just come up. Uh, The report has come in. Your daughter is dead. Don't trouble the teacher any further. Jesus turns to Jairus and says, do not fear. This is an imperative only believe this present active imperative, this command to continually uh, believe. And then verse 37, and he allowed, and if you haven't picked up on it yet, what Jesus allows and permits are really significant as you move through scripture because he will permit some things, he will not permit some things. And when he does and when he doesn't, it's worth taking note of. So he allowed no one to follow him except Peter. So who do we think Who do we think uh, is the most prominent disciple? Why? Because he's just... It's exactly right. He's mentioned first. And when there's a small group that Jesus gathers to himself, this is the crew. Peter and James and John. And these three go on to be significant players in the New Testament church, in the life of the community of Jesus believers when Jesus leaves uh, a couple of years from here. So Peter and James and John, the brother of James, in verse 38, top of page 159, they came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue. So they're here. Right? This, is, this is the last box on Jairus's list of things to check. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion. Now, we'll pause here for just a second, because I want to to make sure you see the people weeping and wailing loudly. Now, there are some cultural things that are going on right here that I want us to be aware of, right? Because at this time, you, you, you wouldn't just mourn. You would have a collection of people that would mourn with you. And it wasn't just, if you didn't have enough, you would actually pay people to be professional mourners at your uh, travesty. And Jairus, being a ruler of the synagogue, having his own house, he likely, I'm not going to say definitively, but he likely would have had the means to fund additional mourners. Had it not been, for him being very well known, these might have been just friends and family members. 
but they were causing a commotion, a significant disturbance. People weeping, and this is present active uh, participle. This is sobbing and wailing aloud and wailing, present active participle, to cry aloud, to clamor. To what? This was not just you walk into a room at the visitation at the funeral home and there's some sniffles. This is not that. This is lots of crying out. And I don't know if you have ever been at, a, at, a, at a, the scene of a tragedy where people are screaming out, but it is eerie. Okay? So this is the scene. In verse 39, And when he had entered, he said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? Now, again, when, when the all-knowing creator of the universe asks a question, is he asking the question for informational purposes? No. Who's around him at this point? Peter, James, John, who else? Jairus. The, and the whalers. Yes, who else? I heard it in the back. His wife, yes, that's right. <clears throat> He's about to ruin a funeral. <laughs> you know what he did in your life? He ruined a funeral. You know what he did in my life? He ruined a funeral. You know what he did in your life? He ruined your funeral. It's spectacular. And then he says something, just to, you know, this statement. The child is not dead, but sleeping. Who else does he say this of in the New Testament? We talked about it last week. It's nice background music, by the way. I don't know where that's coming from, but it's pretty awesome. Who, Lazarus, yes. Yeah, so Lazarus, he's just sleeping. Was Lazarus sleeping or was Lazarus dead? Yes, that's exactly right. Yes. I, so I get that Lazarus was dead. And Jesus said he was sleeping. I'm not going to contradict my Lord. <clears throat> okay, I'm going to say yes. He's not dead. She's, she's sleeping. In verse 40, what happens? All right, so now what, what was their job? He ruined the funeral. <laughs> I don't know who, if, if they were being paid or if they were just friends, but they were out of their swim lane, right? They are, they are being, they're instructed to wail and to mourn and to make uh, loud noises and to very likely to be dressed in black and to have ashes and all sorts of just downtrodden type things. And they laughed at him. So what does Jesus do? Yeah. He put them all outside. And that word for put is ekbalo. It's to eject. This doesn't necessarily mean by force, but it means you're no longer here. Okay. So he ejects them outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him. Who were those with him? Peter, James, and John. Took the child's father and mother. Now, where does the text say that... Peter, James, and John are the only ones that are listed as... 
he had a huge crowd following him, and you know, you got to realize this is the leader of the synagogue. They want to know what's going on. Yes. So this whole commotion is multiplied by a lot yes. of people. And what did Jesus do with all those others? Well, they're all out. They're he ejected, right. So he's got father and mother and those who are with him. So Peter, James, and John. Right. So how many people are in the room? So you got Jesus, Jairus, Jairus' wife, Peter, James, John, and the little girl. <laughs> and he went in where the child was, verse 41, and taking, Luke, you paying attention? Yep, now we are, okay. <laughs> Shocking how that happens, isn't it? <clears throat> Does anybody remember that Sunday school lesson when uh, Jay Arnold uh, introduced himself to Luke and relocate? You remember that? That was a lot of fun, right? You remember the Greek word? Krateo, right? He krateoed you. He picked you up. No, he's not here. He's sick today. <clears throat> Otherwise, he would have been doing that today. Absolutely. He picked you up, and he actually had you over his shoulder, and I swear, I thought your head was going to smack up against this sharp corner right here, and I was nervous as a tick. Right? And it, it was one of the, I went back and looked at the video the other day, and I, was, I did this kind of, oh, okay, didn't hit. Great. Because <laughs> there's some memories I want to have in Sunday school, and some memories I don't want to have in Sunday school. And stitches, while a cool story the rest of your life, is not the story that we want to be telling from Sunday school. That's exactly right. So this word is kriteo. This word is to use strength to seize or to retain. It's basically to mean to be in charge of a thing. Now, if she is dead, is it easy to kriteo? Yeah, right? Because there's, there's really there's no resistance here, right? There's just anybody that does anything with her is kriteo, right? So taking her by the hand. Has anybody got a problem with this? Who should have a problem with this? Who should have a problem with this that's in the room? Jairus should have a problem with this. That's right. She's dead. The Jew is not to touch the dead. So go back to the beginning of Mark chapter 5. Who's the first character we see Jesus interacting with? The demon-possessed man. Where was he? In the tombs. You're supposed to go hanging out in the, the place of the dead? Nope. Who's the next person we see? She reaches out and she touches him, right? And what's supposed to happen to him when somebody unclean touches him? He's supposed to be unclean. He goes into Jairus' house. He touches the girl's hand. What's supposed to happen to him? <laughs> Did the demon make him unclean? <laughs> I love Miss Amy's. Miss Amy's like, come on. Did the woman with the issue of blood make him unclean? Did the little girl make him unclean? Your sin can't either. He took it all. Every bit of it. All the wrath of God was poured out on Christ on the cross. You can't hurt my Jesus. This is beautiful. And oh, by the way, when he takes you by the hand, really cool things happen. <laughs> And he said to her, now there is a debate in Christianity about how to pronounce this word. There is an expert in the room today on how to pronounce this word. Uh, Miss Talitha, how do you pronounce this word? Talitha. Thank you very much. 
would, would you tell everybody what your legal name is? Talitha. Would anybody like to guess uh, what God Talitha's daddy worshipped? Because <laughs> have you ever met another Talitha? One. Really? Uh-huh. I have never met another Talitha in Maryland. That's amazing. Has anybody ever else met another Talitha? You've met another Talitha? I, it, I wonder if it's the same Talitha. Really? That's fantastic. It is a beautiful testimony. And I'm sure you've had to spell it your whole life, and I apologize for that. But it is a beautiful testimony to the saving power of Jesus Christ. And I hope you've been told that it's not a Greek word, because it's not a Greek word. It's actually an Aramaic word that was just translated directly over into Greek. But Jesus, he very likely spoke Aramaic and, and not uh, Greek. But uh, Talitha Kumai, and, and I, am, I am mispronouncing that word. It's actually Kumi. You don't care, but there you go. Uh, and they just mean, little girl, I say to you, arise. And the arise is really cool. What, what's the parsing for the arise there? Do you see it? It's a present active imperative. It's a command to be continually obeyed. It wasn't a one-time thing. <laughs> there are parts of Mark that are uh, more difficult and uh, emotionally heavy to teach. This is not one. This is a lot of fun. Little girl, I say to you, arise. And what is he doing when he's saying this, what's he physically doing? He's holding her hand. So when she wakes up, what's her first physical sensation? The touch of the master's hand. This is a beautiful gift. You think she's ever going to tell this story? <laughs> I would imagine so. What a way. What a story. And then Mark goes full Mark here, right? I mean, we're just, we're all in. And immediately, the girl got up. And began walking, peripateo. To walk all around. To go all over the place. For she was 12 years of age. And they were immediately, again, we're just back into the immediately phase, overcome or astounded. This is the same word used earlier in Mark where Jesus' family thought that he was insane. They, if, if you were translating this into modern vernacular, you might say they lost their ever-loving minds at this point. Right? They just... It was, they were immediately overcome with amazement. And not just ecstasis, but what's the word after ecstasis? You see the, the 1611 there, the, the Greek word, the G1611, that's ecstasis. What's the word after that? Megas. That's right. Big, big, big amazement. Because when those seven people walked out of that room... They weren't expecting seven to walk out. They were expecting six to walk out and one to be carried out. But seven people walked out of that room. 
So somebody's died, you, the body's still in the house, you go to that house, somebody goes into the room, and the dead person's walking out. I'm going to lose my ever-loving mind for a couple of minutes here. <laughs> and what am I going to want to do? That and... That's, I'm putting this on Facebook right now. This is going to get all the likes. Like, all the shares, all the likes. This is happening. Here you go. And what does Jesus tell him to do? Verse 43. And he strictly, he, he much, he many charged them that no one should know this. It would be a really good use of our time over the Christmas break to do an entire reading through Mark and just to note who Jesus says, go and tell, and who Jesus says, don't go and tell. It's very interesting. And when we get to the very end, Lord willing, of the series in Mark, we're going to look back, and I'll probably spend a whole Sunday school lesson just talking about who he told to go and tell and who he didn't tell to go and tell. Because there's some interesting threads all the way through. But I don't want to spoil the ending. We'll get to that in 2021, Lord willing. So he strictly charged them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. Now, how many of you feel like this is an odd place to end the story? This is Mark, right? Mark is, Mark is the minimalist of the gospel writers. Give her something to eat. You ever been sick? What happens when you're over your sickness? Yeah, when your appetite comes back, you know what? You know you're well, yes. This is a really good indication that this was not just, oh, she's like, she's barely hanging on. No, no, she's walking all around and eating. This is a good, for those of you with very small children, when they get sick, it'll, it'll be all right. But when they start to eat again, this is a really, really good sign. This is an indication this is like a detail that I would expect Luke to, to add to the story from a, the medical perspective. But here's Mark. So let's look at these three people. The demon-possessed man, the unclean woman, and Jairus' daughter. They're all the recipients of Jesus' healing, right? He did. Wasn't that also a type of indication that this is actually a human potentially people could fall? There's other things. Yes. 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 What are the gospel writers charged with doing? Evidence. 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 This is one more data point. This is one more data point. These are auditable things. This is what I'm looking at. Yes. These are auditable things. You can go and ask. When Mark wrote this gospel, it is very likely the little girl was still... She wouldn't have been a little girl. It was very likely that the young lady uh, was alive. And somebody could have asked her about this. Because Jairus would have been known. Jesus meets these people where they are. They've expended all of their other resources... They approach him with humility. And he's not scared to go to them at their point of need. 
and it is beautiful. It is beautiful. It is beautiful. I do not encourage us to put ourselves in the story very often. Feel free to put yourself in the story, but don't put yourself in the place of Jesus. Put yourself yourself in the place of the demon-possessed man, the unclean woman, the dead little girl. Now, Mark chapter 5 would be an interesting place to end Mark's gospel. Because you talk about a high point. I mean, we are just, we're batting a thousand in Mark chapter 5. This is incredible. But there are a lot of words and verses to go. Because if you go through, if you read from Mark chapter 5 and then skip over to Mark chapter 15, you will think, what has happened? All the wheels have fallen off. The the disciples have scattered. Everybody has abandoned. But there's a Mark chapter 16 too. And it is beautiful. And right now, I do not know where God has you in your story. It might be at the end of Mark chapter 5. It might be Mark chapter 15. I don't know. But there is more to his story. And he is not done. I promise you, he is not done. So, on the very last page of your handout. The bottom of page 163. You need to make an adjustment at the bottom of page 163 because it says our plan. And you see where it says next week? You've got to scratch off next week. We're not doing Sunday school next week. If you show up next week, like read Mark. I don't know. <laughs> Be good. Um, but we'll start with Mark uh, chapter 6. So our next Sunday school class will be January the 5th. But this will be our overview class of the year. January 12th will be Mark 6 prep. And then January 19th, we will start, Lord willing, with a verse-by-verse like we have been doing through Mark chapter 6. Now, uh, why would we skip two weeks? Because it's what? It's Christmas! What do we do at Christmas time? Yes, that's exactly the right. And what do we do also? We open presents! Yes, we do! And we eat a bunch of unhealthy things. You, you have been trained well, young Padawan. All right, so, Dave, can you help me? Luke, can you help me? I think I have enough for each person. And now if you want to share one with your family, my wife's giving me the evil eye. If you want to share one as a family, that's great. Um, if you want to take two and give one away as a, uh, yeah, just give, you can come back. It's good. So this is one of the resources that I talked about. It's good. It's good. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, if this is one of the resources that I talked about when we went through our How to Talk About the Bible, it's a really helpful read. This is super, super easy read. This is not uh, systematic theology, okay? I, I promise. This is like, this, it's, it's not. This is really uh, straightforward, good stuff. Uh, I love uh, what Jen Wilkin does in this book. Excellent. I love the running. Keep running. This is good. Excellent. How many more we need? You got the rest? Cool.
love empty boxes of books. Oh, almost forgot. Hey, Dave. Remember, sir. You got to stay here. Yes, we need one for Kay. You got that? I did. You got to stay up here and open it. <clears throat> Thank you. See, these go right here, and these will be gifts for 2020. Stay right here and open it. Up here and open it. Come on. So, do you see your homework on page 163 at the bottom of page 163? Yes? Sometimes, sometimes in our life, we become attached to things. And sometimes, oh my word! <laughs> so, has anybody ever borrowed Dave's pen? <clears throat> Seriously, have you ever borrowed Dave's pen? He is relentless about his pen. I mean, his pens are like I—I I don't get it, right? Uh, he does. He, this is a yeah. Uh, this is a Mont Blanc. It's an expensive pen. I've had it since. Uh, Just go to Amazon, right? I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've had it since 1994. Uh, uh, sorry, 2004. And Are you that old? It was a gift to me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I've carried it in my pocket ever since because it was a gift um, from. Uh, all the ladies that I worked with at Central Baptist Church when I was on staff there, and they knew I really liked these pens because I sold them for years at TH Payne. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's cool. That's how I got to love the pen. Oh. <laughs> that makes and, more sense now. That's... And they, they gave it to me as a, as a going away gift when, I, uh, when God took me other directions and stuff. And so they really sacrificed to give it this to me. This is not a going away gift. Let's <laughs> just establish this. Like, well, we're, we are. Uh, <laughs> we're <laughs> but to me, it's always a celebration of all the people that do all the work behind the scenes to make everything happen uh, in ministry. And they, they just don't get celebrated if, it's just one of those things that always reminds me. And then I loan it out, and I just, it, you know, it's an expensive pen, so I know where it goes. <laughs> so, thank you. You're welcome. Man. I really appreciate it. Thank I you. lost it uh, <clears throat> about a month and a half ago. I don't lose things. He doesn't. Uh, and I'm the finder in our house, too. Yep. So, uh, I have no idea where it went. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you, Dave. For those of you that wonder how all this works, it works because Dave makes it work. Uh, I don't necessarily understand how he makes it work. He just kind of like digital magic and uh, he makes it work. So it's fantastic. So with that, uh, it is time to uh, pray as a table over our prayer request. So you should have a weekly update on your table. And uh, if you, we did this last week and I thought it was really helpful. So pick a section and pray over all of the prayer requests in that section as you uh, pray as a table here in a couple of minutes. And just a reminder, there's no family that's allowed to sit at a table by themselves. So some of you will need to aggregate together. And with that, I believe is our last part of our last lesson for 2019. So Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and I'll see you guys on January the 6th. Thanks. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast 
and to our weekly email. You can do both at OurSundaySchool.com.